You're listening to the British Ballers, a fantasy football astronauts podcast. Before we begin the show today, we want to give a big shout out to our sponsor, Expand the Box Score, the number one sports statistics database on the internet. Expand the Box Score provides all the advanced data, stats, and production metrics to give you the edge in fantasy, dynasty, and DFS. We highly recommend heading over to expandtheboxscore.com and signing up today. Use our promo code ASTRO10 for a 10% discount on the subscription, making this an absolute steal. We'll now begin the show. Welcome to another episode of the British Ballers podcast. I'm Rich Corsier. You can follow me on Twitter at FFMiz1. With me today, as always, is my co-host, Kev White, who you can follow on Twitter at Dynasty underscore Goat. Kev, how are you doing? I'm very good, my man. I have had an ear infection this week, so if I start shouting, it's because my ears are in and I'm not quite uh, hearing you properly. Uh, so just watch out for that one. Um, really excited <laughs> for the show. We're, we're talking about some dynasty tiers today. So I think that'll be really useful for the listeners to understand the use of tiers in all formats. Um, and we've got a, a rankings expert on today as I guess. So I'm pumped to jump in and discuss uh, the tiers with him. So we do indeed. So with us today uh, at the British Balls, we decided to uh, we're delighted to welcome Elvin Ryan. Elvin is a ranker for Fantasy Pros and also has his own website at thekingoffantasy.com. You can also follow him on Twitter at Elvin Ryan underscore FF. Elvin, welcome to the show and thanks for coming. Hi. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I'm excited. We're very excited to have you. Awesome, awesome. Um, so what we talked about, what Kev mentioned there is um, on the British bowlers over the last month or so, we feel like we've done the uh, the rookie rankings and the landing spots and things like that to death. So today, with us being in the middle of startup season, we're going to be going position by position and looking at the expert consensus dynasty rankings, which Kev has also moved into tiers for us. Um, we're going to be going through tier by tier with Kevin Elvin then picking out the players that they uh, poss- they they want to highlight basically, and players that they would either move up or down from those tiers. So looking at players that they don't necessarily agree with the ECR on. So we may as well get straight into it, starting at the uh, quarterback position. So Kev's split these already for us into four tiers. Um, I think tier one is pretty self-explanatory. We've got Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson in there. I don't think there's any debate about this tier and that they're out on a tier on their own. Um, The only thing that I'd put to you guys is, and to be fair, in any dynasty league, I'd be delighted to have either of them. Um, The only debate really is who you'd have at number one. Uh, Personally for me, I do have Patrick Mahomes at number one. And the only reason in a dynasty league for that is that the way that Lamar Jackson plays. And I just feel that Patrick Mahomes has got more longevity at the position than... Lamar has so where are you two on that in terms of who you'd actually have at the number one in dynasty you want to go ahead first um you go first Elvin you're our guest I'll uh, let you (laughs) fight away (laughs) British manners (laughs) yeah yeah I'm going with Lamar man Uh, I think most dynasty leagues only have a longevity of two to four years so I think we're looking a little too long term into the dynasty uh rankings I think Lamar Jackson puts up another 
stout two to four years of uh, being able to run and uh, pass like he did this year. So, I mean, I have Lamar edging out Mahomes by just a little bit. Yeah, I think that's a good argument, actually. Um, and to be fair, that's a trap that I fall into, and I think quite a lot of people do again, where I think you've nailed it there, Elvin, that dynasty leagues really don't last forever. So when, when I first started playing dynasty, I was trying to plan, you know, five, ten years in advance. And like you say, how many leagues actually last that long, to be fair? It's probably a waste of time. You're probably better off looking at a, a two- to three-year projection, really. So, Kev, are you in the same, same position on that with Lamar at number one? I think for, for me, Eva's fine. Like I've got, I've had dynasty startups this uh, off season where I've I've got Mahomes in one, I've got Lamar in another. I don't think you can go wrong with Eva. Um, if you put a gun to my head, I would say Mahomes slightly just for the the longevity, and um, we've seen him have two pretty solid seasons um, in in the main. But you, you can't go wrong with either of those guys. Hence why that's our top tier. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's much much more we can cover on those two. Like you said, Kev, I think I'd just be delighted to have either of them on my team. Um, so it's just a matter of preference. So where we may get a little bit more debate is the second tier, according to the consensus rankings. And in this tier, in this order, we've currently got Kyla Murray, Dak Prescott, Deshaun Watson, uh, Russell Wilson, Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield and Carson Wentz. So is there anyone in there for you, Elvin, that you believe doesn't belong in that tier, whether or not it's up or down, or anyone that just stands out for you, really, that you wanted to discuss? Uh, I mean, I think, um, I think you guys wanted me to talk a little bit about Josh Allen. I think uh, the ECR kind of nailed it with this one at QB7. Uh, that's right where I have him. Uh, I don't agree with the talk this week about him having all the measurables and stuff to be an MVP candidate in 2020. Uh, I know he's a top-10 draft pick, and I think people want to see him succeed. I love his running ability for fantasy for the next few years, but his accuracy is still something that I heavily question. Yeah, I mean, my my thoughts on this, and I've, me and Kev were talking about this before the show, and I think Kev will probably touch on this, this a little bit. I actually do really like Josh Allen, um, but I personally think he's a better fantasy quarterback than he is a quarterback in real life. I mean, he brings you like such a huge, huge floor, really, with his rushing ability. Is that where you see it as well, Kev? Yeah, so... Um, with, with Josh Allen, he's kind of like a white Cam Newton for me. So, um, <laughs> and that also ties in with some of the staff on the Bills roster where you've got McDermott and uh, the GM Brandon Bean. They both came from Carolina. So, I wonder if that was part of their plan to get someone in a similar mold as Cam Newton. Um, what I would say about Josh Allen, I, I'm going to compare him to an enema. And. <laughs> The reason I've gone for that comparison is uh, it's not going to look pretty, but it gets the job done. So in fantasy, it doesn't matter how you really accumulate your points as long as you get it done. And we, we spoke about uh, rushing being more important than passing, which is completely right. For example, 10-yard rushing touchdown, it's the same value as a 75-yard passing touchdown. So I think long-term, yeah, the, there is questions about the durability, etc., but end of the day it was QB six last year he's he's had um Stefan Diggs added to that offense and I, I think like like we've got him there at seven I think that's probably his flaw to be honest yeah all I was going to ask is and I know we'll move on to the wide receivers later but there has been some debate since Stefan Diggs went there about whether his values increased or decreased with Josh Allen in that in that offense which is much more of a run-heavy offense. Did did you did you guys move him 
Stefan Diggs up or down based on him now being tied to Josh Allen and the Bills, or did you keep him round about the same? Because, I mean, he wasn't in an ideal situation in Minnesota. and There was a lot of excitement when he was – that there were trade rumours that he'd go to a much more high-power offence, and that hasn't ended up being the case, unfortunately, from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, uh, I think everyone had to move him up whenever Diggs was traded there. Uh, what worries me is his completion percentage year one was 528 yeah. Uh, that went up slightly to 58.8, which still isn't near as accurate as Kirk Cousin, which was uh, close to 70% completion yeah. uh, last year. And Stefan Diggs was always giving him an earful. So I don't <laughs> think uh, – yeah, so to me, honestly, I don't, I don't see this being an easy transition for Diggs. Uh, I think there's going to be some rough times for those two uh, ahead, but he has improved a lot from year one to two. You can look at his TD to interception ratio, 10 to 12, uh, turn to 20 – to nine and then his passer rating increased by 20 percent as well so uh he's got a clutch gene i mean he led the league in fourth quarter comebacks and game winning drives last year uh i think they easily hit double digit wins and i think he's a outstanding fantasy quarterback both with his arms and his legs what about you kev with Diggs? i know we've had quite a few debates about uh Diggs' value in in dynasty since he was traded there how do you think it's affected him and i, I agree with elvin though. i think if Allen makes takes the next step, which many expect him to do, then um, I think that that helps Diggs's value and in turn helps Josh Allen as well. I, I do expect him to make another market improvement from year two to year three. It's just whether or not that offense gives Diggs the chance to be a, a wide receiver one, for example. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head. So I think short term, his value has taken a slight hit because. We haven't seen that uh, consistent deep accuracy from Josh Allen. Uh, but like I said, long-term, if that can come together, he's actually, it's actually going to lift him back up to near around where he was before when he was on the Vikings. Yeah, I, I think we're all pretty much in agreement on that. Before we move on to the, the third tier then, um, the only question I wanted to ask you guys really, is there anyone that you, that in, that's in that second tier currently? who you believe could move into the tier on their own with Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, whether it's this season or in the next two to three years? I mean, for me, it would have to be Dak. I think last yeah. year he showcased uh, what he's about, and they just gave him another weapon. So I think a lot of people are sleeping on him, even at number four. A lot of people are expect, uh, expecting some regression. I don't. I mean, I think he kind of stays up there. I think he finished as QB2 last year. Yeah. And I expect much of the same QB3, some something like that. Yeah, I think – possible video game numbers for him. Um, yeah. Kev, you, for you, is it the same with Dak? I know you're a big fan of Kyler Murray as well. Yeah, Kyler Murray for me, I think uh, it kind of fits the trend as well that we've seen um, sophomore quarterbacks make that jump in, in year uh, year two, obviously Mahomes and Lamar jumping into that tier after uh, the rookie season. So um, I'll stick with Kyler with the addition of New Hopkins and uh, yeah, I think he's, he's due to me that next step. Yeah. I think um totally agree. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see either Kyler or Dak move into that top tier. Totally nailed on the head from, from you, Elvin, to be fair with Dak, that people are still sleeping on him. Uh, it just defies belief for me, and all they've done is add further weapons for him. So I think it's going to be quite a miserable few years for people that are still sleeping on him and refuse to, to see the Dak light. Uh, if we move on to the next tier then, so this is where it gets quite interesting, where you have quite a lot of quarterbacks uh, grouped together. So according to the consensus rankings in tier three, we've got Joe Burrow, Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers, Matt Stafford, Tua Tungavailoa, Jared Goff, Daniel Jones, and Sam Darnold. What would stand out there for you, Elvin, in that tier? 
Uh, I mean, I guess I would have to go. I'm going to talk a little bit about Jones, but I think Burrow, uh, with the lack of, of NFL experience, him coming in as a rookie, uh, already ranked ahead of Matt Ryan. And Matt Ryan's been known to have a historic season followed by a terrible season and then a historic season. I think this is uh, – if the trend follows suit, then Ryan this year would be a top three fantasy quarterback, and we have Burrow ranked ahead nice. of him in the ECR. Yeah, I think um, on Matt Ryan, I was reading something on Twitter earlier, which I hadn't realized. I think where he's had he's – had throughout his career where he's had a new offensive coordinator, he seems to have had down years, and then in the second year with the same coordinator – he yeah. just rockets, and I think yeah. if I, if I'm right, I think this is his second year with the same is, offensive yeah. coordinates. I th- yeah, I think he's he's definitely underrated, and I know Kev that you you're a big fan of Matt Ryan as well. I love Matt Ryan. I remember one game that stands out for me where he he got like two rushing touchdowns, which was <laughs> um, that's a standout uh, victory in fantasy from a few years back. So yeah, I'm a big big Ryan fan. I think he's actually in my top ten um, yeah. overall in dynasty. Uh, who else stands out in that tier for you guys in tier three? So, I, I do, like I say, I've done quite a U-turn on Joe Burrow over the last few months. Uh, but I do agree it seems quite drastic to have him above Matt Ryan and and possibly even Matt Stafford in there. I think I agree with him being above Aaron Rodgers. That's the only bit which may sound ridiculous, but only because the lack of weapons that are going to be around him. So, who else in that tier uh, stands out for you, Kev? I mean, we'll talk about uh, Jones and our, uh, Daniel Jones, and I'll, I'll bring Elvin in as well in a, in a moment. So f- for me, Daniel Jones, I think he's overhyped massively. Um, I think we have a lot of, of uh, vividness bias about the, the big games he had in 2019. He had three or four splash games where he really stood out. And I think, uh, for, just for me personally, I think he's, he might be a better best ball option than Dynasty or Redraft just because of that inconsistency. Um, it's quite interesting, actually, because I think he does get a pass and he doesn't get the, he doesn't get the, um, the sort of negativity of other quarterbacks. So, um, for me, he's in a similar situation to Dwayne Askins, where you've got a new coaching regime, he's had an uneven rookie season, it's a first-round pick, and there's still question marks about his play. But Askins, he seems to get a load of shade and... There's not really much criticism of Jones, which I find quite strange. Um, I'm not sold on him long term. Um, so I just wanted to ask Elvin really about how risky he sees Daniel Jones and could he lose his job uh, after the season? Is he a worthwhile investment in Dynasty? I don't, I don't think he loses his job. I think the fact that they spent a number six pick uh, kind of solidifies him for a few years. We see it with Mitch Trubisky. Uh, I think – the ECR kind of hit the nail on the head here at QB 16. Uh, but you were saying that he doesn't get a lot of that harsh criticism that he should. Well, Eli's gone now, and I think the spotlight's going to shine strictly on Daniel Jones. I mean, he's coming off of a rookie year filled with promise, but a whole lot of losing. Uh, I think he was thrown into a tricky and kind of sticky spot uh, where he was supposed to, be, supposed to be patiently waiting his turn behind yeah. Manning. Uh, and remember, this is a team that wanted to draft Haskins. Their fans wanted Haskins. Uh, so, I think – I mean, he outshined him by a mile. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, in many ways, uh, certainly like the physical build appearance, at times even the way that they talk, uh, Jones is kind of a clone of Eli. And I think if New York gets even close to the production that they got from Eli over the uh, those 15 or so years, that they're going to be all right. 
Yeah, I mean, you talk about the situation they're in. I, I agree with you, Elvin, on that one in terms of uh, Jones completely outperformed Haskins last year. And I, the reason I'm possibly, one reason I'm a little bit higher on Daniel Jones is the ceiling that he showed. Um, I think he had three or four games where he scored over 30 points. So that comes back a little bit to what you said, Kev, about possibly a best ball option. But you're going into one of the most hostile um, places to play football, probably in New York with the media there. And I think he handled that so well. I think it was just after the Giants drafted him, like you said, Elvin, they wanted Haskins and they were yeah. incredulous that they took Jones. And I think it was at a Knicks game where he was like booed out of the arena practically. So to be, <laughs> yeah, to be thrown. <laughs> I mean, no one saw him starting by week, uh, by week three. So yeah. uh, the fact that that happened, it, I think it kind of triggered an up and down rookie ride. But I think yeah. he can bounce back. Uh, I mean, he won his first two starts. He had a long skit of losing, that eight streak uh, losing. I mean, uh, he showed a bigger arm than what I think we remember seeing at Duke. Yeah. But I think he's going to be all right, 279 rushing yards. I think he showed that he has the athleticism, uh, kind of Allen that we talked about earlier. So. Yeah, I think he's in the right tier. I'd probably, looking at that tier on the consensus, I, I certainly would have him above Jared Goff. Um, right now, I'd probably have him above Tua as well, and that's because of concerns around Tua's health. So I think he's, he's just about right there. Um, so if we're moving on to the, the final tier, uh, we haven't covered every quarterback, but it's just really the top four tiers. We've got, following those, we've got Drew Locke, um, Kirk Cousins, Jimmy Garoppolo, Ryan Tannehill, Justin Herbert, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, and Teddy Bridgewater. Um, I'll go to you, Kev, first this time. Um, who in there stands out for you? Oh, it's Drew Locke for me. He's the uh, flavour of the month, isn't he? He's a polarising prospect in Dynasty right now. So I think for me with Drew Locke, they've really heavily invested in his weapons around him in Denver with uh, Melvin Gordon, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, Albert O. Now, Locke, he showed a little bit of promise, but... He had five games and he wasn't really connecting with Cortland Sutton. No. Obviously, they've got uh, an off-season an off together, but they're not really spending time on the field with, no. with how we are in the world at the moment. Um, I also do have a bit of a concern around Locke that he was a second-rounder and draft capital is an indication of perceived talent. Um, I do think Locke's a bit of a projection now. He has got the weapons around him and he's in a great situation but I think he's riskier than most. Um, I'd be more uh, way happier with him as my QB2 with a steady QB1 if it was in like Superflex super League, for example. Um, and what, what are your thoughts on uh, Drew Locke, Kelvin? Are you, are you thinking he's the answer in Denver long-term? Yeah, no, I, I think uh, you said it perfectly. I think uh, for the first time today, I don't agree with the ECR on Locke. Uh, I think he's receiving a little bit too much hype I've tweeted about the arsenal that he has. I think it's actually like my most popular tweet ever. Uh, but I still, <laughs> I, I still worry about Denver's uh, offensive line. And if El Elway ever wants a quarterback to actually succeed there, I know that we had Manning, but such a great team was built around him. I think that El uh, Elway's kind of like, huh, I'm that guy. I'm the one who built Denver. You know, I think he yeah. wants to hold on to that. Uh, there's no question that Drew Locke's the starter there. Uh, but I think we need to pump the brakes on his hype train. Um, Elway arm lock with multiple weapons uh, to make it seem like he's behind uh, his second round draft pick for now. But honestly, uh, I, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm pumping the brakes 
I mean, I think all the hype's coming from Judy and Hamler being added in the draft. Uh, they've got a great young uh, core, and I think they're just waiting for Drew to screw it up so they can go get their quarterback. <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's right. And you look again, you look at the draft capital. They haven't invested that much in him with a second round pick. Do you think? Obviously, everyone's talking about all the weapons they've put around him as as helping his value. But for me, does that not? It concerns me a little bit that that could shorten his leash. Where if he fails with that cast of weapons, how quickly does John Elway pull the plug? Oh, could it could sure. it be as early as next year? Because you look at um, Trevor Lawrence, uh, Justin Fields coming out next year. I, I don't I don't think John Elway would hesitate to pull the pull the plug that fast if if he felt it was needed. One hundred percent. I mean, look at Tebow. Tebow came off of a great yeah. playoff run. Yeah. And they beat the Steelers in overtime. And next season, Peyton Manning starting over there. So I think we have to temper the expectations. Uh, remember that Locke's only uh, 23 years old. He's a second-round uh, draft pick. And that just because he's given all these receiving options doesn't mean that he's going to live up to the hype. So, uh, I don't know. Just keep toning it down. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. And one I actually wanted to pick out before we um, move on to the running backs here, and I was really interested in what you think, Elvin, and where you are in terms of where the consensus is. I was quite surprised to see uh, Justin Herbert up there. Um, I'm not really impressed by very much I've seen of Herbert at all. Um, what, what are your thoughts on whether or not he can be successful in the NFL? I think he's another one like Locke. I think they, they spent a little bit higher draft capital, capital on him, but I think he's just surrounded with such weapons that he's getting hyped up. Uh, yeah. And because people watch Phillip Rivers succeed there for so many years that they think that uh, quarterbacks are just add water and they're going to work yeah. out. I don't, I don't think that ha- that's how it goes. Uh, and, I mean, you see him over Breeze and Brady and the ECR, and that's strictly off the thing I said earlier. People are acting like these dynasty leagues at last five, ten years. Yeah. I think Breeze and Brady have a good two years in them, and yeah. I don't think Herbert even uh, ever tamper, uh, tempers their expectations. So. Yeah, I don't know about you, Kev. I don't think uh, we're in quite a few leagues to go. I've not seen you make any moves to try and pick up Herbert, and I certainly haven't as well. Are you, are you in the same position? Because, I mean, for me, uh, whenever I've watched any of him, he just seems to crumble under any type of pressure. And for me, that just screams potential bust at this level. Yeah, I think for me, he's, um, he's definitely a project. He's, he showed that rushing ability towards the end of his career at Oregon, but like we spoke about on, a, on, an, on another show, um, he comes from Oregon, same as Mariota. So I'm all, I've been burnt once massively. So <laughs> um, I'm going to have to see him uh, actually produce before getting involved with uh, Justin Herbert. Yeah, um, I think we're all in agreement on that one. So if we move on to the, the running back tiers, uh, at the very top of this tier, again, we've got the same sort of thing as we had with uh, Mahomes and Lamar, where there seems to be consensus on the top two and then everyone else. So this, But this is something, again, that I wanted to touch on. So top two, you've obviously got Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley. So I'm going to come to you first on this, Elvin, because from my perspective, I probably think it's right that Christian McCaffrey is the number one, uh, or considered to be the RB1. But for me, the gap between McCaffrey and a healthy Saquon Barkley is a lot smaller than people believe. Where would you be on that? Are you convinced that C-Mac is the RB1 and will be this season, or is there any chance that Saquon challenges him? Yeah, no, I don't think there's any way that uh, he's dethroned. I think C-Mac's got it. Uh, I think Teddy Checkdown is yeah. only going to make things better for him. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, 
nah. I mean, CMC by a mile to me. Would that be in terms of fantasy as well as actually playing football? Do you think Saquon is as talented as C-Mac? From a fantasy perspective, I totally see your point. Um, and as, as, as obviously Barkley has some big weapons around him as well. It, on a talent level, do you believe that C-Mac's ahead of Barkley as well? Uh, that one's a little tough, but I mean, there's a, a whole yeah. there's a whole load of group that you can throw there talent-wise. I mean, yeah. Zeke, Mayer, Cook, I think all these guys have talent equal of equal levels. I mean, they all made it to that level for a reason. Uh, just, I mean, I think the greatest opportunity, I mean, like availability is like the key in football yeah. and Saquon hasn't always been available. So, yeah. What about you, Kev? I know you're the luckiest man alive. Every draft that you seem to be in, you seem <laughs> to get the 101 in a random draw. And you've taken C-Mac every time. So I'm assuming that you're with Elvin on this one as well. What's interesting about this tier is they're both actually uh, going into new systems this season. Mm. Um, I think Caroline did a great job actually scheming C-Mac on a lot of the, the passes, o- passes over the last couple of years. So it'll be interesting to see what actually happens uh, in both of those schemes and if they're still massively focused as part of their offense. I mean, they should be with the talent, but you never know with, uh, with changing offenses and coordinators. Um I'm actually, I'm actually leaning Barkley in redraft, but I would still take C-Mac in Dynasty. Interesting. So if we move on to the second tier, quite a big tier, and as Elvin alluded to, some very talented running backs just behind the top two, um, with a few rookies thrown in there as well. So we've got Ezekiel Elliott, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, Nick Chubb, Josh Jacobs, uh, Miles Sanders, Derrick Henry, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Austin Eckler, Aaron Jones, and I nearly said Fred Taylor then. I wish, <laughs> I wish it was. Uh, Jonathan Taylor. Um, who in that tier for you, Kev, stands out? It's Nick Chubb for me. Yes. Um, I love his talent. He's a beast. Um, obviously, they've added some uh, firepower up front in Conklin and Jedrick Wills this offseason, which... I think actually um, helps Baker Mayfield more than Chubb, but it still will will help him along the way. Uh, my concern with Chubb is Kareem Hunt. Um, yeah. I know you did an article this off-season, a great article actually on the splits with and without Hunt. Um, I think as well, they've got a new coach and GM, so you don't know what their plans are. There's no ties to either of them running backs. Maybe they'll use Kareem Hunt more, maybe they'll use Chubb more. So I think it's a, it's definitely a, a contentious decision which is going to massively create value if you, if you do take Chubb and he ends up being a beast or if you, if you take, say, Kareem Hunt and he ends up being a beast. So just wonder what your thoughts are, Elvin, on Chubb. Should you buy him, sell him or sit tight? Uh, I mean, I would sell. I, I'm a little lower on him than the ECR. I think everyone wants to believe that the new coach is coming in and they're going to run the ball every single play. Uh, <laughs> that's me. Yeah, I mean, I'm not buying it. I know that's yeah. his history, but uh, I think he realizes what weapons he has and Hooper, Jarvis, OBJ. Uh, I'm also remembering the end of 2019 when Hunt really ate in the Chubbs touches. I think that's something that we see more of. Uh, Cleveland's uh, upgraded offensive line is going to benefit both. Yeah. Uh, but I think after placing second uh, in rushing last year, I think regression is set to come for Nick Chubb. Yeah, I mean, I think that the splits as well is the worry, and it is easy as a Chubb owner, and I'm, I'm certainly in this position as well, as, as you said, hoping that 
Um, you know, Stefanski changes how that offense runs, but the splits are terrifying for what Nick Chubb's ADP is. I think he was the RB4 at mid-season before Kareem Hunt came back. And I was certainly one of the people that drafted Nick Chubb in, in redraft, certainly last summer, thinking, oh, Kareem Hunt won't have that much of an impact. But after the splits, I think in the second half of the season, he dropped to something like the RB16. So it's one of those where there's possibly a little bit too, too much risk at taking Chubb at his ADP. Um, like you said, Kev, if, if he does get that workload, then it is a huge value, but there probably is too much risk there. Uh, I do own Chubb in a few leagues where I'm not currently selling him, but I certainly see the argument for why you would. Um, if we look at the next tier down, uh, well, this is one where, oh God, I've just seen the top name on this list. <laughs> and I think you're both going to disagree with me. Um, but the next tier, we've got uh, Leonard Fournette, Kenyon Drake, uh, DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins, uh, Melvin Gordon, Todd Gurley, Cam Akers, David Montgomery, Devin Singletary, James Conner, Le'Veon Bell, and Chris Carson. Um, I know we're probably going to talk a little bit about Leonard Fournette later, but I, I am going to have to get your thoughts on this from both of you. Leonard Fournette at the top of that tier, because I, can, I just can't resist. Because I know I'm going to disagree with both of you. <laughs> Kev, go on, tell me why why we should be buying Leonard Fournette. Well, obviously, you know, I quite like Leonard Fournette. I just took him in a recent uh, start of draft we were both in. Um I just think at this spot, he's, he is a value. I know that he's, he's, he's probably not the best mental uh, running back in the, in the league, but um, he, he's basically guaranteed the touches. There's no competition, really. I'm not really scared of Chris Thompson or Reichel Armstead. I think he's due some touchdown, uh, positive touchdown regression. Only got a couple last season. And I think over his first two years, he was averaging... Um, a touchdown every one and a half games. Um, so I think that that's going to put him at 10 touchdowns or so if if he does play all 16 games, which will bump him right up. I think pass game-wise, yeah, he's going to struggle to see the heights of last season. But he's Yeah, I mean, that was still, nuts. The opportunity share yeah. was like 90%, something like that. He's, he's, still, he's still a young guy. What is he, like 25, something like that. Um, and it doesn't look like the Jags are going to re-sign him. So... That whatever the landing spot is next off season, it's it's a potential to even bump him up even further. Um, I can't imagine his value would be a ton lower, um, depending on where he moved. Because there's not many teams worse than the Jags. <laughs> but there isn't one, to be fair. <laughs> uh, what about you, Elvin, with Leonard Fournette? We're, well, I'll just cover this briefly. I know we're going to chat about him a bit later on, but do you think he's in the right place in the, the consensus rankings there? I mean, I love Fournette. I have an LSU T-shirt on, number seven. <laughs> so, I mean, it's tough, though. I think last year their only option, like if they wanted to check it down to a running back, well, he was in there almost every single play. And you said you're not scared of Chris Thompson. Uh, I am. I mean, I watched what he did in Washington, what was that, two years ago now? Uh, and whenever he was healthy, uh, I mean, he was a top 20 uh, running back. So, I think he definitely cuts into uh, Fournette's uh, – numbers especially in PPR league so I worry about him a little bit and I mean last year was one of his first one of his healthiest seasons uh even since he was in high school here in Louisiana yeah. uh, at St. Aug I mean he's always battled with ankle and knee issues and I think that was his healthiest season I don't think we get many more of those yeah and I mean for me as well someone else that um 
people may be overlooking slightly is who um, could take away some of the short short passing game work is Laviska Chenault, who he seemed to be from what I've seen of Chenault seemed to be a monster within ten yards of the line of scrimmage, and that's where Fonette got quite a few like sort of dump off or dink and dunk passes last year. So my worry with Fonette would be well from a as a Jags fan, I'm happy about it from a fantasy perspective. Anything that gets work away from how inefficient Fonette has been for us. It's fine with me, but I think LaVisca Chenault, from a fantasy perspective, also eats into that, as does um, Chris Thompson. So, to be fair, though, on the on the other side of that, I think, Kev, you hit on it. Uh, there's no way that we re-sign him next year, so there is a question of whether or not uh, the Jags just try and run him into the ground this year, knowing that they've no yeah. future investment in him. Um, and is there anyone else in there, Kev, that you, you want to highlight from that tier? Yeah, I think James Connor's quite an interesting uh, proposition. I think we all thought that um, the Steelers would take um, a really early running back in the draft, uh, yeah. potentially as high as round round two. Um, but I mean, they, they did add um, Anthony McFarlane Jr. in round four. But um, I think Connor dodged a bullet, and he's in a great spot. I mean, he's got Big Ben coming back. He's got that elite defense. Um, and he has flashed ability when he's been healthy. He's, he has finished as a top six running back in 2018. Um, he is in the last year of his rookie deal, but I actually think there's a pretty decent chance he'll re-sign in Pittsburgh just based on the fact that he went to college um, in that area and um, he's, he's, battled, he's battled cancer before, so he probably just uh, really respects life and um, money's probably not a driving factor in him um, I, w- I would I would guess. Um, so, yeah, he is a really polarising prospect. I think um, there's definitely some value if you're looking to buy him now. Um, what would you say, Elvin, on, on Connor? Are you actively buying him or are you worried about his free agency next uh, off-season? No, I'm buying him. I'm higher on him than the ECR, mainly because they didn't draft a, uh, one of the top-tier backs this year. Uh, if you read the reports coming out of Pittsburgh, I think Mike Tomlin – is ready for him to return as the featured back. And I think so are all of his fantasy owners. Uh, I said it earlier this week on Twitter, I don't see a case where he finishes worse than or worse than as an RB2. Uh, and that includes the games I predict him to miss with injury uh, because he's been an injury-prone back throughout his career. Uh, Mike Tomlin uh, prefers to have a workhorse runner uh, in his backfield. And, I mean, he's proven that over and over. Uh, if you look back in the day of Mendenhall and then Bell, I think that's just part of his philosophy and who Mike Tomlin is. He wants one guy to carry the load. You know, I mean, there has been quite a lot of hype, and you've sort of seen it creeping up in the, the ADP with uh, McFarlane seeming to go a little bit higher. I've certainly seen it in the, the rookie drafts that I've been in, where if, even up to a few weeks ago, he was going around uh, mid to late, around three. I think I even got him at the start of round four, whereas uh, the few drafts I've seen in the last few days or so, he seems to, I've seen him actually go at the end of round two. So do you think that hype's unwarranted, Elvin? I'm assuming so at this point in terms of short, short-term prospects for him. No, because honestly, I think the, the clear-cut number two on the team is uh, Benny Snell. I like the way that he stepped in. I think uh, Jalen Samuels, as much as I picked him up in redraft league yeah. uh, last, last season, uh, I think he's fighting for a roster spot, honestly. But I think with Big Ben, Juju back, like y'all had said earlier, uh, now they have a newly added fullback and Derek Watt leading the way for Connor. I think his lanes are just going to open. And if you remember back uh, two years ago, he rushed for almost 1,000 yards and made a Pro Bowl. 
So, uh, I mean, I think James Conner's the guy, and then it's Benny Snell. So, I think all this other hype is unwarranted. Was that the year when the because he stepped in, didn't I? I think it was yeah, like he's, when Le'Veon Bell he basically Bell, yeah. cost Bell the millions of dollars, basically yeah. by by stepping in when he did. Um, did he play a full season that year, or was he? No, he did. He, did, he missed uh, a few games then as well, didn't he? I think most of it. Yeah. 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 I mean, he played majority of the season. Um, like I said, I mean, he made a Pro Bowl. He almost hit a thousand yards uh, rushing. He had more through the air. I mean, I think he's the featured guy. There's no question about it. He's a proven elite runner when he's healthy. Okay, so if we move on to this last tier... Um, Take a breath, Rich. You'll need it for this one. <laughs> <laughs> God, yeah. So I've already seen one that I disagree with, potentially being this low, and that's the first one. So we'll get to that with Kareem Hunt. But then following that, we've got uh, David Johnson, uh, on Johnson, Darius Geis. So I personally disagree with him being so low. Uh, Keyshawn Vaughn, Marlon Mack, Philip Lindsay, Mark Ingram, Darrell Henderson... Raheem Mostert, Sony Michelle, Matt Breeder, Tyreek Cohen, Ronald Jones, who belongs in Tier 10, uh, Rashad Penny, Alexander Matteson, Tevin Coleman, Tony Pollard, James White, Damian Williams, AJ Dillon, and Jordan Howard. So really, I think in this tier, we're looking for any potential players that you'd move up who you feel have, have, you know, are of value and are being, have been ranked too low. Is there anyone there for you, Elvin, that you feel is ranked too low that you'd move up a tier or so, or is that how you see it as well? I mean, uh, I think Lindsey, I mean, I think a lot of people are sleeping on him in the Denver offense because they brought in Melvin Gordon. But, uh, I mean, I, th- I don't think that you can just take your, your RB1 and just make him ride the bench the whole time yeah. just because you brought in Melvin Gordon. So, I think people – I mean, he's still young. He's from the Denver area. I think he stays there long term. I'm not sure if Gordon does. I think a lot of people are sleeping on Lindsey. Yeah, and I think people are forgetting that we're only, what, six months removed from a season where Melvin Gordon didn't necessarily lose his job, but ceded a lot of work to Austin Eckler. Exactly. Um, so what, what is the difference here? I'm not, not really sure. Um, so I'm with you on Lindsay. What, what about you, Kev? On Lindsay, I think um, so, someone's going to miss out in that, in that offense, whether it be Lindsay, whether it be Gordon not perform, whether it be Noah Fant. Um, I think, yeah, he, he has actually outperformed expectations in the past as Lindsay. Um, and he, if obviously this far down the board, he's, <laughs> I think actually having him on the team on your roster is a good thing because, um, you've got that Melvin Gordon insurance. He doesn't seem to be able to do a full season, whether he'd be holding out or getting injured. <laughs> yeah. And, and to be honest, I think Melvin Gordon is a bit overrated in terms yeah, of I agree. sort of his, his numbers in his career has not been great. Um, he has had a quality fullback blocking for him. We met what was mentioned earlier, who's now in Pittsburgh in Derek Watt. Um, so I think Lindsay is good because he gives you a bit of flex appeal, but also that insurance for when Melvin Gordon inevitably goes down. So would you both, from the start of the 2020 season, would you be comfortable playing Lindsay in a flex spot? Or do you think that's too risky and you'll wait and see how it plays out? It's probably too risky for me, I'd say, but it would have value in bye weeks. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think he's a solid RB3. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's definitely worth the risk on the draft, especially for redraft. I think it's just going to bottom out. I think you're going to be able to get him for dirt cheap. Uh, but, yeah, it may be a little risky at the start of the season to put him out there. Yeah, I think the only other one that I wanted to look at in there, I know, Kev, you want to discuss a few of the other guys, but, I mean, 
Um, one in there that obviously has fallen considerably since the NFL draft is Marlon Mack. Um, I was not particularly that high on Mack as it is. You've seen things coming out of Indianapolis that suggest that they may split the backfield. I, I don't buy it personally. I think Jonathan Taylor will take over that backfield by a quarter of the way through the season. Is that where you are, Elvin, or do you think Mack gets more work? I, I think is he, ECR looks about right to me. I mean, I don't, I don't think you're just – it's another Lindsay case. I don't think he's just going to ride the bench just because Taylor's there now. Uh, I think Mac still gets his fair share of uh, touches this year. And then next year, you don't know where he's going to be. I mean, he yeah. could land in a great situation. He is a free agent. I think he's, uh, he's also kind of being slept on for dynasty purposes because he's, he's a very good running back, in my opinion. What about you, Kev? Yeah, I think um, the Colts will keep Mac around. Obviously, he's on his rookie deal. It's cheap deal. Um he had a really nice profile, actually, coming out, did Marlon Mack. I was a bit surprised that he went in round five, I believe. But mm. um, like Elvin said, he'll be moving next off-season and you never know where he's going to end up. It might be a situation where he's getting um, more than a split backfield as such. Yeah, I certainly think he's a hold. I think some people may have gone out and panic sold him. I think he's certainly worth holding to see... Uh, what happens next off-season in Dynasty. Um, is there anyone else for you on that list, Kev, that you want to you'd call out that you feel is a little bit too low? Yeah, so a uh, bit of a disclaimer here. I'm a huge Rashad Penny fan, oh. um, and I've always preferred him <laughs> over Chris Carson to my perils, obviously. He's, uh, I'm a bit of a draft capital uh, snob as such, so um, I guess for me with Penny... It, he was showing them signs of actually being a, a pretty decent running back last season. He uh, played the Eagles and Vikings and shredded their defense. Uh, two pretty good defense, actually. And then, unfortunately, he tore his ACL. Um, and he's going to be begin next season, probably on the PUP list. Um, th- this question is not really about Penny as such, but um, it's, it's more about injuries. Um, so, Elvin, I just want to get your thoughts on how risk averse you are taking a play coming off an injury? Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of torn here. I'm drafting him higher than his ADP, but I'm not as high on him as the ECR, mainly because I love Carson. Uh, I think Penny's Penny's going to miss the first half of the season, like you said. He'll start the season on the PUP list. Uh, he's a third year running back. He suffered a torn ACL late in the season uh, in December, uh, and due to the timing of his injury. I don't think he plays again until week eight or maybe even later. And we watch that with Hunt. Sometimes it takes a little time to get back. And uh, just because they, the fact that they brought in DJ Dallas, I think he'll end up taking over Penny's role. And Penny ends up being the odd man out here in Seattle. Yeah, I think that the only thing I, I'm so I, I agree with you, Elvin. I've never been that high on uh, Rashad Penny. One thing I'd say as well, Kevin, I think in Seattle, it's one team that don't seem to, to care less about draft capital. You know, compared to you look at other teams, and I I totally agree with you in in some cases where a team invests quite a lot in a player, but in Seattle, they they just don't seem to care whether they took someone in the first round or the the seventh round. Yeah, it's just, it seems like an open competition. And obviously, Travis Homer's there still. Uh, He he played a bit in the the playoffs. They added DJ Dallas. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, Chris Carson's really, really proven his worthwhile, actually. I think he was top 15 Abbey last season. Um, but it's one of them fluid situations where it, 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 you could end up 
starting a guy for Seattle and he's out of a job the following season, even if he does perform, because he seems to drop and change, just Pete Carroll. Welcome back to part two of the British Ballers podcast. I'm your host, Rich Cozier. Uh, with me today, we've got Kev White and Elvin Ryan, and we're going through the tiers of Elvin. Uh, we're looking at position-by-position position rankings in Dynasty from quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end. In the first half of the show, we've already covered the quarterbacks and running backs, so moving swiftly on, we're now looking at the, the wide receivers um, that you should look to target in Dynasty. So we're looking at the top tier. Uh, we've got Michael Thomas out on his own. I would assume from you, both of you guys, that there's no debate on that and you, you, you agree that Michael Thomas is in the tier on his own or do you believe there's anyone in there that potentially should be in the tier with Michael Thomas? All good for me. <laughs> you can't debate Mike. Yeah, yeah. I think we'd lose all credibility if we try and, and debate that. So if we move straight onto the second tier, just behind Michael Thomas, we've got um, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, Amari Cooper, DJ Moore, and Odell Beckham Jr. I know there's a few guys in this tier that you both want to discuss, but the first one I'm going to have to ask you about is um, DeAndre Hopkins. And since his trade to Arizona, there has been some debate on whether or not um, his value is taking a little bit of a hit on the basis that he's still a wide receiver one, but there's questions on whether or not he'll see the same target share, whether or not he'll still see a 30% target share. Where would you guys be on Hopkins? Is he someone that you've held in position at wide receiver two, or do you think his value is possibly taking a little bit of a hit? I'll let you go, Elvin. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm not drafting him at his ADP. I think some people are still kind of high on him, uh, honestly. I, see, I had Thomas Hopkins and Adams uh, all in that tier one, even though Thomas is the clear-cut leader. Yeah. Uh, I never have guys just by themselves in a tier. Uh, I mean, Thomas definitely deserves it. Hopkins, I, I think he's a little bit behind Adams here. Uh, I think there's a little – there's some regression just because the familiarity he had uh, with Watson, and now he's going to Kyler Murray. Uh, and now, I mean, our offseason has already been cut yeah. short. Uh I think it's going to take some time. So I think it affects them just a little bit uh, year one. Looking forward, I mean, I don't think it hurts them too bad for Dynasty. Yeah, I think for me, he's, he's still in that second tier. Uh, he's going to be in that sort of three to five range for me. Um, obviously, he's proven that he's a, he's a touchdown scorer in the past. Now, some of that might be lost with Larry Fitzgerald there, but and obviously as well, the Cardinals, they really struggled in the, the red zone last year. So actually, um, it, it, he might see he might be the big benefactor of moving there. Um, so I think he's, he's pretty safe, actually, despite the move. Uh, potentially for me, another one that I, I look at in there, and again, there's been quite a lot of debate, and it, I mean, he was a monster last season, um, and that would be uh, Chris Godwin who I actually do still have ranked around wide receiver three. Do you think the, the, the Tom Brady move there negatively impacts him? I, I, maybe it is me being a little bit, uh, maybe tilting a little bit on Godwin and trying to see the bright side of it. I see Godwin potentially playing in the slot and taking on that sort of Julian Edelman role. Where are you guys on that? Do you think his value takes a hit from Tom Brady? I personally think Mike Evans is more severely affected than Godwin will be. Definitely. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, I think Godwin steps into that role you were talking about in the slot. Uh, I have him exactly where the ECR has him, and I would draft him as that 
Uh, I wouldn't try to wait on Godwin and try to get him cheaper because he won't be there. Uh, <laughs> but I think he's worth everything that you spend on him. I, I see a huge year for him coming. Yeah, completely agree. Elvin Kev, uh, where are you on Godwin? Yeah, I don't think we've discussed Chris Godwin that much, actually, to get where yeah. you are on him. Are you in the same same as us guys? Yeah, I think he's like top two for me. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Really high up there. I'm, I'm really bullish on him, so... Yeah, I love him. I love his age, uh, his role in that offense. Um, yeah, per- perfect in that Arians offense, in that Larry Fitzgerald role. Is there anyone else in there for you, Kev, that that, that really stands out for you, whether or not it's the, the too low based on the consensus or or even possibly too high? Yeah, we've got Elvin on the LSU boy, haven't we? So... Uh, <laughs> Let's talk about Odell Beckham. Uh, <laughs> so, obviously, early on in his career, he looks like a future Hall of Famer with uh, with the talent and everything. And he's now at his age apex year, at age 27. Um, he's still the alpha um, for the Browns, but I just wondered uh, what your thoughts are, Elvin, on him being on a um, potentially a potentially run every team uh, tied to Baker Mayfield. Do you think he'll rebound and recapture the the um, performance towards the start of his career or do you think he's one to avoid? I wouldn't say avoid. Uh, I think the ECR continues to rank him as a wide receiver one and they continue to get burned and they'll do it again and again just because he does have that upside. He has that talent. Uh, to me, he's a wide receiver too. If you can get him there, great. If you can't, then don't uh, avoid him, you know. Uh, he's got great upside. But I think Baker trusts Jarvis just a, a little bit more. I mean, he's he's been with him since he was a rookie. Now they've had the addition of Hooper, uh, a new coach. I just don't see OBJ getting the volume to be a true uh, number one wide receiver while he's in Cleveland. Uh, I mean, there's been talks for as long as we can remember since he first got to Cleveland that they were going to trade him already. So uh, that'd be interesting to see where he went if he ever went anywhere. Uh, As a huge LSU fan and a uh, high school football fan in Louisiana, I think OBJ is athletic as they come. uh, But he's always made me – question him on does he put the team first and whatnot so uh, I'm not sure how the new uh, the new coach takes it yeah I mean I, th- I think we're all I think it's probably um, unanimous there for me the only issue I've got with OBJ is the price because you're still having to pay a wide receiver one price for him um, so it's sort of one of those we, we sort of touched on it with Godwin where you wouldn't let him drop because he'd be gone if OBJ was to drop into the range of a wide receiver two on his ADP, then I'd be willing to take a shot on him just based on his athleticism and the upside there. But um, I'm pretty much the same as you guys. I think I don't think I'd um, I'd buy him at his current price. One that I'm just looking at there that I'm just going to quickly highlight before we move on to the next tier, and it's someone that um, I almost called him a friend of the British balls. He's clearly not, but uh, we're both higher than any, it seems than any consensus, and that's Amari Cooper. So what, what would you say with Elvin, with Amari Cooper? First of all, what are your thoughts on him in wide receiver one territory and how much going forward, the, the drafting of C.D. Lamb, who the Cowboys didn't expect to be there, how that impacts him? Because I know, I think he has an out in his contract after 2021. Yeah, I mean, you said it. Uh, you said C.D. Lamb. That was the key word there. Mm. <laughs> I'm, I'm not high on Amari Cooper. I don't think that they needed C.D. Lamb. I think they went out there and stuck it to the Eagles like everyone else. Uh, <laughs> but, no, I mean, I, I'm, I'm lower on him than the ECR, and I'm definitely not taking him at his ADP. Uh, no chance. So, oh, uh, I hope he has a great season. Uh, I know he has a big fan base, including you guys. But, yeah, I'm, <laughs> in a way. 
I'm just I'm just going on now to sell him in like I've got him in nearly every league. <laughs> Kev, have your opinions changed? I know you you were a, you were on the Amari Cooper bandwagon long before I was. Um, why, I was why, still talking about yeah. him having shark fins for arms when you were in love with him. So, what, has your opinion changed with the land move, or are you still keeping him there in wide receiver one territory? I'm, I'm, I mean, first of all, I'm just wondering why I've got a trade from you trying to get rid of Amari Cooper on my phone. <laughs> um, no, I think I, I was higher on him um, before his move to Dallas, um, and then um, I stuck by him. But last season, he he burnt me in a in a couple of leagues um, in a dynasty and a redraft league, and that's still pretty sore for me. So I think I'll be uh, I sold him in my dynasty league, and I'll I'll be avoiding him in redraft as well. Just uh, just because of these past bad experiences, really. Um, what is it gone? I mean, we've uh, we're sort of flying <laughs> through the show. Why don't you tell us about your bad experience in redraft? I'd love to hear it. <laughs> you horrible man. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I was I was facing you in a final last year, and um, I, I had a juggernaut. To be fair, I had a, such a good team, and uh, it all came unstuck in the final. Um, Did he goose egg? I can't remember if he got any points. Was it an actual <laughs> goose egg? I can't. Yeah. I genuinely can't remember. <laughs> I think I think him and Tyler Lockett combined for about 0.3 points. <laughs> um, it was really bad. Uh, <laughs> so that's still pretty sore. Obviously, I don't get reminded of it too often. That's no, a joke. it's still um, one of my favourite stories. Uh, so we'll move on to the next tier. We've got, um, according to consensus, we've got. AJ Brown, Kenny Galladay, Julio Jones, Cortland Sutton, Cooper Cup, Calvin Ridley, Keenan Allen, Allen Robinson, DK Metcalf, Stefan Diggs, uh, CD Lamb, and Jerry Judy. Anyone in there that stands out for you, Elvin? I mean, uh, I think Allen Robinson. Uh, mm. I think the ECR has him, yeah, somewhere around 18, 19 right now for Dynasty. He's in my top 10. I think yeah. that's a joke. Uh, I think it's he's an insult. I think he's quarterback insult. proof. Uh, I don't care who starts next year, whether it's Foles, Trubisky, or whoever else they want to throw out there. I think he's a legit wide receiver one. Uh, the Chicago Bears, uh, I mean, with Allen Robinson, their future only gets brighter. So, uh, last year I think he had 98 catches for almost 1,200 yards and seven touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, you could clearly see he was 100% healthy. Uh, yeah. Explosive route running, contested catch dominance. Uh, I just think right now he's one of the most promising – wide receivers in the NFL. I think he's highly slept on. He's just 26 years old. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I think you've hit it there is that he's 26 years old, but I don't know what it is, but recently in Dynasty or whether this has gone on for a long time, a wide receiver is 26, 27, and they become suddenly dead to Dynasty players. And I just, I, it just baffles me. I mean, I do actually, in startups, I, I do draft players quite young. Um, and that's a trap that I sort of fall into, but I still don't understand where people – you could try and sell Alan Robinson and struggle to do so because of his age. And like you just said, he's 26 years old. He is quarterback-proof, and I'm totally with you. And I think – I would pr expect that Kev Yogan agrees is in my top 10 as well. Um, I just – I think that's insulting to have Alan Robinson as low as that. Yeah, yeah I think he's heading towards the uh, – his, like, career year, the best year of his career. So, yeah. especially if Nick Foles is quarterback – I think he um, surpasses his 1,400-yard season back in 2015. I think he's on to something. If you're yeah, a betting, I, definitely I, take him with over 1,000 yards like Vegas currently has. What they've, that's what the over-under is? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a no-brainer. Even – I mean, obviously, I've got a bit of taste in my mouth about um, Nick Foles uh, from last season, but 
he only had two games, I think it was, with DJ Chark, obviously the Jags uh, wide receiver won. And Chark's numbers went nuts in those few weeks that Nick Foles played. So, yeah, Kev, what, where are you on A-Rob? I mean, I don't think we need to go into it in too much detail. I'd assume that you're in the same, the same yeah. position as us. And I know you highlighted him anyway to discuss. Yeah, yeah my, my neck's hurting because I've just been nodding all the way through that. Like, I'm extremely high on A-Rob, obviously. He's, he's 26. He, he seems like he's been around forever. Um, he, he's had a top six wide receiver season in the past. He's, he's played with a ton of trash quarterbacks. <laughs> Hackenberg, Bortles, uh, Trubisky. Uh, I mean, Nick Foles is going to be the best quarterback of his career, which no offence to, no <laughs> to Nick Foles, but I mean, it, it's a big upgrade on anything he's had previously. Um, yeah, I'm massive on him. He's, he's definitely top 10 for me. I, I think it's quite uh, insulting that he's this low yeah. in, in ECR. It's just one of them where I can't quite understand it, how there's older players that have proven less um, that are above him. Yeah, I think we're unanimous on that one as well. The only one I was going to mention to you guys, and I'll come to you, Kev, first this time in that tier, and it's someone that I've had, um, I'm very high on the guy, but I'm, I've got a lot of concerns around his landing spot, especially in terms of a one, two-year production, and that's Jerry Judy. So I was gutted that Judy landed in Denver with the, the amount of weapons they've got. Um, have, have you guys lowered him in terms of where you had him pre-draft to now after he landed in Denver. Kev, start with you on that one. Yeah, so for me, he's my rookie wide receiver five. I think before Andy was probably about the about the three spot. Um, I, I think he's a great talent and he's a great fit in real life for that offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pat Shermer's the the new OC, and I think um, there's a there's a clear comp between Jerry Judy and Stefan Diggs from that perspective, but. Um, like I alluded to before, there's a lot of mouths to feed in that offense and um, someone's going to miss out. I just can't see the the ceiling really for, for Judy. I think he'll be a, a safe guy and I do actually think he'll, he will eventually overtake um, Cortland Sutton, um, mm-hmm. who I'm not as high on. But um, yeah, he, he dropped down to wide receiver five for me in the uh, rookie drafts. Would you agree with that, Elvin? Have you held steady on, on Judy since the draft? 100 percent i mean Ooh. you have to, you have to downgrade him yeah uh, I, I mean i'm a bigger sutton guy than you guys seem to be uh i think sutton actually um sutton becomes the clear-cut number one there yeah. and judy kind of takes that number two role and i don't think that's what a lot of people thought whenever he was in the draft before we knew what team he was going to land on we thought he was going to be a clear-cut number one maybe landing up in oakland or philly and uh to go here that that killed him yeah, I I agree. I mean, I'm not going to try and talk about what a team should and shouldn't do. They're obviously in a much better position than me, but the, the Raiders taking Henry Ruggs, um, I, I think, I can't remember where exactly we had him in the mock draft, but I think one of us, Kev, had Jerry Judy going to, well, Las Vegas now, not Oakland, sorry. Um, I think that would have been a perfect spot for him. And I, I don't really see the thinking why they went with Henry Ruggs rather than, than Jerry Judy. I know, I think you're a little bit higher than me, Kev, on on Henry Ruggs, but from my perspective, I just did not understand that move at all. Yeah, I think it's the ghost of Al Davis um, <laughs> wanting the, the speed wide receiver. I think um, with Ruggs, for me, it's kind of the unknown because we see all these comps to guys like Tyreek Earl and John Ross and all these other comps, but we've not actually seen anybody quite like Ruggs that is actually 
a pretty decent receiver as well as being fast. Um, I, that's going to be a really interesting situation in Las Vegas because I'm I'm really high on Brian Edwards, mm. and it's going to be interesting to see actually out of those two who becomes the the main wide receiver in that offense. Um, just going back to Cortland Sutton for a moment, um, I, I just want to ask Elvin actually, do you think the the drafting of uh, Jerry Judy will improve Cortland Sutton's numbers in fantasy? I don't think it can improve it. I mean, you're bringing in a, an elite wide receiver talent, but I just think Sutton uh, shows that he owns the wide receiver one spot on that team. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think he regresses too much, but I think it's hard to improve whenever you have that guy taking away some of your targets. Sure. Yeah, I think um... – I'm a little bit. I think I think we're probably at three different tiers. Um, no pun intended. I think Elvin, you're probably a little bit higher than than both of us on Cortland Sutton. Uh, but then I think and Rugs. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm pretty high on Rugs just because of his landing spot. I think I have him like a whole ten spots higher than the ECR, and wow. that's just because I think in Las Vegas, I think he becomes the number one right off the bat, uh, regardless if it's Mariota or Carr. I think. Uh, He's the clear-cut number one, and he's going to show us. God, uh, I mean, yeah. Twitter will just burn if Henry Ruggs <laughs> is a hit, including me. I'm just going to – I need to go back and delete quite a lot of tweets if that happens. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't, I don't think he's more athletic than uh, Jerry Judy by any means. Yeah. I think his landing spot just propelled him yeah. to that level. So, I'm, I'm pretty high on him compared to the ECR. Yeah, so, I mean, we've mentioned Ruggs there. So, if we look at this last tier, which is huge, um, I can already see a few players in there I think are a little bit low. So, this tier, we've got uh, DJ Chark, Debo Samuel, Terry McLaurin, Jarvis Landry, Tyler Boyd, Robert Woods, Adam Thielen, Tyler Lockett, Jalen Rager, Justin Jefferson, Devontae Parker, Michael Gallup, Christian Kirk, Henry Ruggs, Marquise Brown is a very interesting one, Mike Williams, T.Y. Hilton, and Keel Harry, Michael Pittman, Brandon Cooks, Denzel Mims, T. Higgins, Will Fuller, and A.J. Green. One that I'd come up with straight away there, and it may be that I have got quite a lot of shares in him, so I'm a little bit biased. So I'd want to see what you think, Elvin, is Tyler Lockett seems to be really... I get that DK Metcalf is there, but I think that's quite a low ranking for Lockett, who was great last season before he was hospitalized with an illness. So I don't know whether that's a little bit of, of recency bias or whether it is the, the addition of DK Metcalf last year and his ascension that's knocked him down a little bit. But I'm, I'm a little bit higher on Lockett than, than consensus. Yeah, I think almost everyone is. I think that's the, that's the Metcalf effect. Uh, people see this huge jacked guy that went <laughs> and dominated the later half of the season and they've all forgotten who Lockett is. Uh, I mean, I don't think Russell Wilson has forgotten who Lockett is. And I think – uh, people who sleep on him this year are really going to hate it in redraft. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I think if – I mean, I'm not sure what his ADP is, but if it's anywhere around where he's been ranked on the consensus, then the value on that is absolutely nuts. Um, Kev, I, th- I think you're a little bit of a Lockett fan as well. Yeah, I like Lockett. I think that spot is massive value, actually. Um, I don't think there should be too much space between Metcalf and Lockett. Obviously, he's – I think he's about 27 years old is Lockett but um, he's still got some good years ahead of him he plays plays in the slot which is it, it tends to be a higher volume position um, and he's, he's tied to Russell Wilson one of the best QBs in the league so if if he's available at this spot you should be smashing that button 
yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd have to, looking at the top of that tier, um, and I know he had a fantastic season, but I, I'd probably have Lockett above Debo, to be honest. I'm, I'm not convinced that Debo is a, an alpha wide receiver. Um, I, I, I think, that, to be fair, it's actually a little bit difficult. I'd probably have Debo a little bit higher on consensus, actually, looking at that, but I would have Tyler Lockett above Debo, to be honest. I mean, for me, I seem to have a little bit of an affliction to drafting wide receivers that come out as seniors. So it might be that I'm a little bit biased. So do tell me if I'm talking rubbish there on Debo, both of you guys, <laughs> if, you, if you think that he is, that's the position that he should be in above guys like you've got Tyler Lockett in there. Uh, Tyler Boyd, I, I do think he's taking a little bit of a hit with T Higgins going there. But, but where are you guys on Debo? Am I out on an island here in saying that he's a little bit overrated? Not at all. I, I'm behind him on the ECR and the ADP. Mm-hmm. Even more on the ADP, I think a whole 10 spots later. I think he uh, he could end up being the next Dante Pettis. Yeah. For the 49ers. Yeah. And that's I mean, never I, good. <laughs> yeah, never. But last year at this time, if we were doing this podcast last year at this time, we would have been talking about Dante Pettis uh, yeah. at some point in here and the hype train that he had. So, uh, yeah, I'd pump the brakes on Debo. Yeah, 100%. Kev? Full house, yeah. Full house. Um, he's, a, he's an older guy, isn't he, already? He's about 24 already, and um, I think Ayuk's going to eat into his production, and yeah. he's going to be the number one on his team with Kittle on there. So um, I won't be drafting Debo in any leagues. Yeah, I mean, his ADP, ADP is nuts. I, I can't remember the exact details, but in a start-up earlier this week, I couldn't believe how high Debo went. There were some real alpha receivers left on the board when Debo was drafted, and I'm just thinking... This shows the recency bias has just gone nuts. Um, looking at then some of the other players that came out last year, I know a guy that we've highlighted here, and I'm really interested in this one, is Hollywood. So Marquise Brown and where you guys are on him. Um, I, for me personally, just very quickly, I think he's extremely talented. Um, I think he was very efficient with, with the work that he did get. The issue is obviously the offensive plays and, and the opportunities that he's going to get. So... Elvin, starting with you, whereabouts would you be on on Marquise Brown and where he is in terms of the consensus? Yeah, I'm higher on him than the consensus ranking. Uh, I think the fantasy footballers either this week or last week uh, compared him to G-Jax, and I think you couldn't be more spot on. He's only 22 years old. Uh, One of his downfalls was the fact that he was so skinny coming in the last season. But if you take a look at social media now, the guy's working out with Lamar and his cousin Antonio, and he is jacked. Yeah. Uh, so he's gotten big. Uh, his rookie season was interrupted by the injury. He missed two games, and I know he played a lot uh, of others at under 100%. Um, I don't think there's many questions on his speed. He ran that 4-3-2 at the combine. Uh, I think his floor would be 60 receptions. And if you can get 60 receptions for someone being drafted where he's drafted, then that, that's good. Yeah, I totally agree. And I mean, I, I forgot to mention as well, you've nailed it, is that apparently it, was, it wasn't ever even close to 100% healthy last season. No. And he was still fantastic with the opportunities that he got. Um, Kev, I think you may have noted about possible concerns with the volume or something like that. Or Yeah, t- to be honest with Marquise Brown, I'm, I'm, I don't know where to stand on him. <laughs> um I guess, like, for me, he was the first wide receiver taken last year, yeah. um, which was nice um, for, obviously, the the long term. Um, obviously, Andrew's been on the team helps take some attention away from him. Um, obviously, the other, the other players like Claypool and Prochet, Dobbins, 
Um, so yeah, I guess, I guess for me, he's kind of a, he's, I consider him a boom bust player. So at this spot, he's likely going to be a wide receiver free or flex wide receiver. Um, he's only 22. So I think, yeah, it's even though I'm more undecided on Brown than a lot of other players. I can definitely see the, the sort of the reasons behind buying into him and uh, putting him in your lineups. So the only other player I wanted to mention in this tier. Uh, so this is, we've talked about Hollywood there and how impressive he was when he was hurt. Um, so another player that was obviously hurt at the start of last year and had, um, I don't think he came back until around week eight, was someone that was, in many cases, a consensus number one wide receiver coming out last year in fantasy, which was in Keel Harry, who obviously had a disastrous season. Uh, but you think, I think he was hurt at the end of training camp and then he missed the first eight weeks of the season and obviously had a miserable time of it. Is that a guy that you two are out on, or do you believe that he still may get the opportunity? Well, I mean, he's certainly going to get the opportunity to prove it. But do you think it's it's someone that you'd hold at this point, or is it someone that you don't feel will will ever reach the expectations that we had for him last year? I mean, if you have him, you kind of have to hold him. You'll never get what you spent on him uh, <laughs> at this moment anyway. Uh, I'm not – going out and buying him right now, I'll tell you that. I mean, he hasn't proven anything yet, and he definitely hasn't proven that he's quarterback proof, yeah. um, like Arab that we talked about earlier. Um, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of worried about the quarterback situation in New England, and Harry scares me. I'm staying away. I think you're the same, Kev. Yeah, I've flip-flopped on him, to be honest. I, I thought they'd have a better QB in place by yeah. now than Jared Stidham. It's just awful. I think that's kind of dampened my uh, my hopes for him. I thought he, earlier on this off season, I thought it'd be a potential bounce back sophomore leap. Um, obviously, the the lack of uh, training activities at the moment doesn't help either. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm 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 pretty bullish on I'm pretty bullish on him to be honest. I think he's a massive risk, and you you're not going to get anything back uh, like a first rounder back for him. Yeah. Um, I actually think he, he'd be better served playing more in the slot, uh, mm. but that, that's not going to happen with Edelman around currently. So I guess you kind of stuck with him. Um, see, see how it works out. Yeah. I think, yeah. I mean, do you guys think that Stidham, that, that Belichick genuinely believes that Stidham is the, the answer, or do you think? Because I know a few people have joked that the Patriots may tank this year. I mean, looking at their offense, it's not it's not beyond the realms of possibility that they do. It doesn't seem like necessarily a Bill Belichick thing to do, but I mean, for me, what what else do they do with? Because I don't believe, to be honest, that Belichick is actually sold on Jarrett Stidham as his, his starting quarterback going forward, more than as a stopgap this year. Do, do you guys believe that's just sort of a little bit of smoke from the Patriots, or, or does Belichick genuinely think that Stidham is his, is going to be his QB one? I think he wants him to be his QB. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he thinks he is. Uh, but, I mean, I think a lot of us were wrong with Tom Brady throwing mm-hmm. him in there as yeah. a six-round draft pick. So, I think he wants him to be, and I don't think it's a Bill Belichick type of thing to tank. I don't think it's in his DNA. I don't think yeah. it's possible. Yeah, I agree. So. Um, so, I think we've covered a lot of the wide receivers there. Uh, if we move on to the tight end position, like quite a lot of these, we seem to have – um, a tier where one or two players are out on their own. So on the consensus, we have got uh, George Kittle and Travis Kelsey as the top two, as you'd sort of expect. I possibly think, I I believe that Mark Andrews could break into that top tier. Um, we, he's currently on the consensus he is, as the tight end three, as you'd expect. 
Uh, where would you be, Elvin, on that top tier? Do you, do you still think that Kittle and Kelsey are out on their own with, with Andrews, et cetera, and that group falling behind? I mean, it may, I may be stuck in the past, but I'm still throwing Ertz in there with yeah. those two. Yeah, I've just realized uh, Ertz is down at four. Yeah, I mean, he's at four, but I think people uh, kind of sleep on him. I, last year wasn't an elite season uh, by Ertz standards by any means, but I think we forget who he once was. Uh, so I'm throwing him up there with Kittle and Kelsey. I mean, Kev, you've got a vested interest there with uh, Zach Ertz. I mean, this time last year, I think Ertz was certainly considered in that uh, the, the consensus tight end three at the very least with, Kittle, with Kelsey at number one and Kittle at number two. So he seems to have taken a little bit of fall in people's value since last year. Yeah, I think, I think the reason he's dropped a bit is because um, a lot of fans are hoping uh, Dallas Goddard breaks out. Um, and also last year, the Eagles are in all sorts of trouble with the wide receiver course. So I guess he's probably dropped down a bit because the uh, the the public thinks there'll be a lack of volume and that he'll be handing over the torch to Dallas Goddard. But Ertz is still only 29 and he's I think he's really safe in terms of uh, what he's put up over the past few seasons. So um, I'd probably have him above Andrews um, actually in the rankings. I'm not sure if I'd put him in that... Uh, elite tier at the top but he, he's absolutely rock solid top three for me so another one in there that potentially you couldn't call rock solid and that's more the injury concerns and it is a guy that i'm really high on personally so i'd like to get you guys views is evan engram so according to consensus he's currently the tight end five which is probably about right um i mean i think if engram can stay healthy he could see phenomenal volume in that that giant's offense but my concerns with Engram is is the injuries. I'm not even sure if he's played a full full season as yet. So where would you guys be on him? Yeah, I mean, I'm a little lower on Ingram. Uh, I definitely think he belongs behind Henry and Waller, mm-hmm. uh, not because of his talent level, but just because of the fact that he can't stay healthy. Yeah. Uh, and I'm unsure where he ends up playing uh, after New York. I don't think they're going to pick up his uh, his fifth year option. So. I think we had a discussion, Kev, about Engram this week. I know you're you're not as high on him as I am. I think I, mean, I think it's the same as Elvin. I think you've got the same concerns, possibly that I, that he does. I've, to be honest, I've been in a few startups and I've seen him go all over the place. Um, I've seen him as high as round six uh, and as low as round twelve. Mm. Um, I think talent-wise, obviously, he he's got the talent. He, whenever he's played, he's produced, um, but obviously. He's not finished a, a season yet. He's in his three years, and there's all these uh, all these people in the offense that are going to command a lot of uh, a lot of targets. Saquon, uh, Engram, Slayton, Shepard, Tate. There's a lot of people in the offense that are going to command a pretty decent share, uh, and I think he he probably is a little bit too high for him at tight end five. Um, I'd have him a bit lower in this tier. Um, but potentially you you will be getting a value if you had took him lower at tight end five though it's a no go for me so speaking of players that seem to be you know another tight end in there that, that there seems to be a lot of debate around and, and you can sort of see why with the weapons that the Raiders have added is Darren Waller so if you were to search Darren Waller's name on Twitter right now you'd get some people saying they believe he can uh, repeat on his uh, production last year. There's some people that are saying they're completely out on Darren Waller. 
Um, do you guys believe that consensus is about right, or do you think he, he belongs a little bit further down? I think he belongs higher. I have him actually higher than uh, Andrews. Wow. Um, wow. I have him right after Ertz. I, I really like Waller, uh, and I think the fact that Las Vegas is going to have more targets uh, should really open things up for him. Kev, I think I don't think we've discussed Waller too much either. I think I, I think he's about. I'd possibly put him above um, Hunter Henry on there. Um, so I'm a little bit higher than consensus as well. I don't, I don't buy into the fact that after the season he had last year that he's just going to disappear into obscurity again. Yeah, I think for me with Waller, I'm I'm probably higher in redraft than dynasty. Um, he's had that one big season. Um, he's already 27. Um, I guess I guess for me, I just worry about all the additional additional parts who the quarterback's going to be. Um, oh, there's no doubt it's Derek Carr because the backup <laughs> is trash. Um, <laughs> just that the uh, he's had like the one season and maybe we shouldn't like be fully on board straight away. Maybe it's just me being um, a little bit more risk averse, uh, but I'd be I'd be more inclined to take him in uh, redraft as opposed to dynasty. He absolutely belongs in this tier. Um, but for me, I'm I'm probably a little bit lower than Elvin on Darren Waller. Yeah, okay, I mean, so, I, I uh, think, sorry, Elvin. I had a question, Tyra, about that. Uh, so, Kelsey, he's 30 years old, right? Uh, but he's in the top tier. You mentioned Waller's age already being 27. Uh, so, how do you rank that? How do you side that with Kelsey being three years older? Yeah, I think for me, it's it's to do with that he's proven it over a longer time scale. Um, we sort of know the role in that offense. It's not changed um, a great deal in the past few years. Um, just that he's been tight end one for the past, I think, four or five seasons um, would be why I'd feel more comfortable in in Waller. It's not necessarily the age. It's more about the um, proven performance over a longer time period and the settled offense for me. Okay. I mean, yeah, I have Kelsey at two as well. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I've got uh, the, the top two. Uh, the, in fact, I think the top three are the exact are the same for me as consensus. So, Kittle, Kelsey, and Andrews. I mean, in term, there, there does seem to be this fear around tight ends that that they hit thirty or twenty nine, thirty, and then suddenly hit this down slope. For me, I, I I don't know where you guys are with Kelsey. I I personally think he's he's still got two or three years left at elite level, and this comes back to what we talked about at the start of the show and um, people looking too far ahead in dynasty leagues. Um, I mean, I was in a, a tight end premium startup uh, a few weeks ago where I got George Kittle in the second round, and then I got Travis Kelsey in the fourth round, and I'm sat there thinking, have I got these settings wrong? Because, I mean, I don't understand how the top two tight ends would go. Well, the, the, it's certainly the second tight end in Kelsey would go in round four. And I can only assume that it is a little bit of the age factor that people fear taking Kelsey there. Yeah, I mean, I think, what, like you've said before, in, in Dynasty, there's a lot of short-term thinking and people... They love these shiny shiny new toys that are in the their early, early the 20s, players, yeah. yeah. Um, but but actually, when you, just my personal view, when you're in a dynasty startup, I'm trying to win straight away. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I tend to go against the grain a bit, and I'm happy taking the likes of your your Kelseys and your Mark Ingrams and 
players well, like that. I'd draw the line at Mark Ingram, but <laughs> I get your well, point. <laughs> players that uh, are towards the end of the career, but have actually yeah. produced. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's that's my thoughts on on that. So, if we have a look at the next tier, this is a little bit of a smaller tier, and we've, we've already covered small sample sizes. So, I think this is one that I definitely want to talk about. So, this next tier, we've got uh, Dallas Goddard, Tyler Higby, and Mike Gesicki. Higby is the ultimate in terms of the um, small sample size. I think he only he had a monster few weeks to end the season. Potentially, if you picked up Higby in redraft last year, um, late in the season, he possibly won you your league. So that was a, a small sample size. For you, Elvin, is that something that you're uh, wary of in terms of such small sample size? Or is Higby someone that you pick up at this, this sort of value where he is in consensus? Yeah, I'm not at all worried. I'm much higher on him than the ECR is. Uh, mm. Just because I love the way they ended the season, the Rams' offense wasn't working. Uh, McVay switched the team to a 12 personnel uh, yeah. scheme, which led to more opportunities for Higby with them running uh, two tight ends, and he was ultimately able to cash in. Uh, he was incredible those last five games. Now with Brandon Cooks gone, uh, it looks like there's enough room for him to be a solid starter. Uh, my only concern – Sorry about that. <laughs> no. uh, my only concern would be McVay and the fact that he is so unpredictable. Mm. Yeah, I think I'm I'm on I'm with you on this one. I think I just can't I, I I do try and stay away a little bit from the small sample sizes, but for me he was so good in those last few weeks that I'd be willing to take the risk. I just cannot see that after the way he performed there that he'll just disappear into obscurity again. Yeah, I think from, for me as well, like the five games, 43 receptions, 522 yards, they're eye-popping numbers. They're like Gronkowski-type numbers. Um, my, my my question to Elvin would be more about um, the other parts in the offense, like, for example, Cooper Cup. Do you think he'll actually see, um, see a decline in his numbers with the uh, ascension of Tyler Higby? Uh, I just think it's with the 12 personnel that he's going to see a dip in it. I, I tweeted about that. People are not happy. People love Cup. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know. In 2018, what, McVay's tight ends combined for 85 targets. They took they talked up Everett all offseason. Uh, nearly everyone valued Everett over Higby. And then Higby's breakout didn't happen until later in the year. Uh, if McVay sticks with the game plan from the end of 2019, the 12 personnel, I think that – uh, Cooper's hurt and Higby's value only goes up. Yeah. He's a absolute uh, top five tight end if they stick with last year, but a sure five, uh, surefire top eight. I think as well with with the contract situation, I believe Higby's got a, a better deal than than Everett in the ter- in the sense that I think Everett's uh, out of contract after this season, and Higby's got something longer term, so that gives you that extra confidence that actually he is the man and he's going to be receiving the most volume out of the tight end slot. Yeah, so I think, again, um, it's one that we, we pretty much agree on. It's just what how um, they uses him. So if we're going to this last tier, there's a, there's a few players in there that I, I like as potential, you know, in, in redraft leagues. Um, last year, I made the mistake of taking Kelsey too early, as much as I love the guy. Um, I was taking him before I'd taken a running back and things like that, um, which cost me a little bit. So I'm certainly going back this year to looking at taking um, 
late round tight ends. So there's a, there's a few names in this category that I like as possible breakout candidates. So I'd like to see what you guys think. So the last tier here, we've got Irv Smith, OJ Howard, Jonu Smith, Ian Thomas, uh, Jared Cook, Hayden Hurst, David Njoku, Eric Ebron, Rob Gronkowski, Chris Herndon, Herndon, Dawson Knox and Jay Sternberger. Kev, do you want to start us off on this one with what stands out in that tier for you? I mean, I was just laughing at Gronkowski. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I think the guy that stands out for me, uh, really, I think it's everyone's favourite post-type sleeper in uh, OJ Howard, um, linking into Gronk. Um, obviously, he's got that talent as Howard. He was a former first-rounder, but it was used sparingly under the uh, famous tight-end killer Bruce Arians. Um Just wanted to get Elvin's thoughts rather than OJ Howard, if he'd be willing to buy into him and when... Yeah, he thinks he'll actually get an opportunity to make an impact in fantasy. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm staying away. Uh, I think Bruce Arians, you hit the nail on the head there. I think last year there were like three weeks where he ran more routes than any other tight end in the NFL and didn't get a single target. So I think wow. Bruce Arians has it out for the guy. Uh, he has a top 15 ECR ranking, but I don't think he starts again for as long as Gronk there. Brady signed a two-year deal. I think Gronk's tied to his hip. So I'd say two years, maybe OJ. Uh, I mean, they haven't shown any intention of trading him. They picked up his fifth-year option. Maybe after that he goes somewhere, but I'm off the Howard train. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I'm not touching OJ Howard, even at his current price. So I, I'm more with consensus. I mean, you mentioned Gronk there, Elvin. I think that's one we may disagree on. I mean, we saw Gronk in his last year in New England sort of uh, look a little bit of shadow of himself and it looked like the injuries he's had and the, the batter in his body had taken and caught up with him. Would, is Gronk someone that you're targeting this off-season where possible, especially if you can get him at value? Is he, is he worth just, you know, uh, throw the dice, basically? No way, because there is no value. People are dumping their entire fab budget on him. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I've seen that. No way. Uh, yeah. I think he disappoints a lot of people this year. I think he's an injury-prone guy who's yeah. battled way too much. And, uh, but I mean, so even if Howard does get his chance to come back, they're still great. Yeah. Like I said, I, I don't know if, uh, if the coach just has it out for Howard or what, but he scored 11 touchdowns in his first 22 games. And now he's only caught one since then. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I'm out on Howard and Gronk. Um, like, like you said, I've seen people blowing the fab budget on Gronk and just, it's incredible. It's just incredible. I just, I just can't see the, the thinking behind it. And uh, Kev, you and Gronk, you, uh, you're on the same train? You're not on the Gronk train? No, only thing I'll say for Gronk is um, he's a better tight end than safety. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the, the only one, the other player that I want to touch the mentioning there, and the reason for this being that there's quite a lot of hype uh, around this guy at the minute. Sometimes this hype burns out before the season starts, but... At this point, you could potentially see him as the wide receiver two in Green Bay as the second option behind Devontae Adams, and that's that's Jay Sternberger. Um, now, I sort of like the idea of him possibly being a breakout, but I'm not sure whether the hype is a little bit too much. So where are you guys on him in terms of – I mean, his value, I'm not sure where exactly his ADP is, but he's certainly well down the list in terms of consensus. Yeah, I think I think for me, last our last guest, John Bauer, he he, he really likes Jay yeah, Sternberger. Sternberger everywhere. I think, yeah. Yeah, I think, um, yeah. Obviously, there's <laughs> we we both pretty low on guys like Alan Lazard, aren't we? So <laughs> yeah. there is there, there is a chance that he could have a, a bigger impact um, than expected. But 
we've also got to bear in mind that he did barely anything all season. I think he had a, he had a touchdown in in the playoffs, but he, he might have had he might have played half a game somewhere or something. I don't think he he actually got on the field that much in his rookie season. So while the opportunity will be there, we just need to calm down a little bit. And um, I think yeah, he's I guess he's like a, a tight end two with upside. But I wouldn't feel confident sticking him in my lineup every week. Yeah, no, I think that's where I am at the moment. I think it's more a little bit of a wait and see. But I think the problem is you're not going to get the chance to wait and see. I think if the hype continues to build prior to the season, I think his price just becomes too much for me for a guy that we've not seen enough of. Um, what about you, Elvin? Is he someone that you're taking at his current price? Or is it someone you're staying away from? Nah, I mean, I'm staying away from him. I don't think I can say anything that you guys didn't didn't hit the nail on the head there. I like Bauer, but uh, I'm off this guy. I'm off. <laughs> I want to see a Twitter war between uh, John Bauer and Elvin Ryan. He doesn't want that. <laughs> so I think we've we've gone into quite a lot of detail on those positions there. Um, I think we've covered pretty much every tier. So we're going to move on to the next section of our show where we put our guest on the spot with a section that Kev you're taking credit for this because I I don't like the name it's too too cheesy for me (laughs) with NASA so we're looking at uh, we ask all of our guests that come on now uh, the NASA questions which is um, need acquire sell and avoid so on this one Elvin we're going to put you on the spot with a player one player at each of those positions where you either are looking to overpay in Dynasty where you need that player, one player you're looking to acquire at the right price, uh, one player you're looking to sell at the right price, and one player that you are completely avoiding in Dynasty. So if we start with one player at need that you would be willing to overpay for in Dynasty to make sure that you get them on your team this year. Juju. Ooh. Yeah, I like Juju. Uh the most receiving stats for a player before the age twenty third, uh, before the age twenty three, I think he ranked third on that list, uh, only behind Josh Gordon and Randy Moss. So he's there with uh, good company. Uh, if you look through the whole list since he's been in the league, uh, the of the active players, I mean, he's sitting there above some immense talent. So uh, stats aren't the only thing going though. Uh, certainly from an expectation point. He's the starting wide receiver. He's the wide receiver one. Uh, Big Ben's back. Uh, I know Big Ben's kind of fought with retirement for the last few years, debating it. He looks heavier than ever. Yeah. Uh, but I think just the fact that he was able to play through <laughs> Duck Hodges and uh, and whatnot, uh, I think he's a must-buy. I would overpay for him, which it's an overpay for me, but I think most people would feel like they were getting a deal because I think most people have jumped off the juju bandwagon I, I totally agree with you I, I, his price has just plummeted I mean when you you were just talking about it then and I was thinking this time last year I remember listening to podcasts and reading articles that Juju was potentially the future wide receiver one in Dynasty and he, it has just plummeted from one season to the next and like you said horrific quarterback play I mean Big Ben went down in week two um, I'm not I actually did think that Juju it was a a bit too high for me last year when he was being touted as a possible wide receiver one. But um, I would agree with you. I think he's priced now. I don't think you have to overpay for him. I don't know about you, Kev. I think you can get him at probably a very good price at this moment. Yeah, it all ties into Big Ben, really. People have seen what, he's, what it was like 
with Duck Hodges and yeah. um, Mason Rudolph, and that that's why his price has has uh, shot down because of uh, the performance last season. But as long as Big Ben's uh, up upright and playing, <laughs> he's, um, well, he's looking quite heavy, so it might be a problem. You might not be able to knock him over. Um, yeah, the he's a definite top ten. Um, player in redraft and top five probably in dynasty if if you can actually if big ben can actually stay up yeah i mean i think i, I expect um big ben to be healthy this year and I, I think that whole offense um rebounds i think we we won't get onto it again i'm a little bit lower on james connor than you guys but on, on offense as a whole I, I expect them to take um big step from last year so one player then elvin and i i have to be honest with the guys listening and say i already know what you're going to say to this one and I'm just going to hide away while you two fawn over this guy. So um, <laughs> one player you're actively looking to acquire at the right price in Dynasty this year? So, I mean, I don't know if the right price uh, exists for him, but if I could <laughs> get him for the right price, uh, it'd be Fournette. Uh, he's an LSU standout, so he already wins me over there. Uh, but he's entering his fourth season with the Jaguars. He's going to be a free agent next year. Uh, one of you guys mentioned it earlier. They're probably going to run him into the ground yeah, this year. Yeah. So if you're a contending team, uh, I think he's a must must own. And then you never know where he goes next year. So he could end up in a better situation. Of course, he could end up in a worse situation. Well, yeah, but if you get him at the right price, it really doesn't matter. Yeah, All I mean, the, this season. I think that's the thing for me, and that's what I'm picking up from you tonight, Elvin. That I probably need to apply a little bit more in dynasties. I, I, again, we, we've gone over it quite a few times that I possibly look too far ahead. Um, as I said, I'm as a Jags fan, I'm I'm out on Leonard Fournette. I mean, from a fantasy perspective, I should try and put aside the my feelings on Fournette as a player in real life. But um, I, and I understand him as a fantasy weapon. My issue would be, and my concern about even if I did take him, and the fact that the Jags may run him into the ground is that his situation next year. There's no guarantee that he becomes another a bell cow when he signs for another team. But again, if, if you're right, though, I mean, the, the main thing in Dynasty or any, especially in Dynasties, you should go out and try and win a championship. And even I do have to admit that, that Leonard Fournette could help um, Dynasty players do that this year. And Kev, I think you're going to certainly side with Elvin here because um, you took him quite recently in a start up to pair with um, Derek Henry. So did, do you want to agree with Elvin on that one as well? Yeah, 100% agreeing on this one. I think um, short term... He can win you a championship, so you've got to get on board. Um, points, per, I forgot to mention actually, points per game in it, every season he's been top twelve. Mm. So if he plays sixteen games, he's he's guaranteed, and I think he's going around RB fifteen. So you're getting a value on him. I I don't know the um, trade values off the top of my head, but I bet I bet you could get him for a twenty twenty one first, uh, which I'd, I'd do. Yeah, I think, well, to be fair, I've been doing quite a lot of um, Debbie research last week week or so, so I'm tilting on the tw- how good the 2021 class is. So, uh, <laughs> But that's recency <laughs> bias for you. I definitely see the argument for um, for buying Leonard Fournette. Um, I just can't bring myself to do it, to be honest. So on that note, Elvin, who's the one player that you'd be looking to sell um, in Dynasty and if you could get again, if you could get the right price, or maybe someone that you, you you would you would sell undervalued if you could. I mean, I think uh, anyone who owns him would agree, and it's Mike Evans. Mm-hmm. I think we all pumped up Godwin, and we all actually stand by that. We believe yeah. it. Uh, I think there's a chance Mike Evans could still end up as a wide receiver one, a late late tier 
wide receiver one or early, wide receiver two. Yeah. Uh, but the odds aren't in his favor. Uh, I think Godwin takes it over. Yeah. Uh, Brady's kind of known for the check down, even though some people have tried to debunk that theory. Uh, Mike Evans is just a consistent 1,000-yard guy. But I think this is the year where he, uh, he kind of plateaus or goes down. So uh, I'm selling Mike Evans if I can get the right price for him. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I have any um, Mike Evans. And, and I think a lot of owners in some of the leagues I'm in are certainly on the same thought process as you, Elvin, because I've been offered him numerous times this offseason where, and this is since, obviously, Tom Brady um, signed in Tampa, and I've politely declined every time. Kev, have you got any Mike Evans shares? Or is he someone that you, you're not interested in having on your roster? No, I think if you've got uh, Mike Evans on your roster, you want to go to the stupidest person in your league and <laughs> try and sell him because I think he's, I think he's got that name value still, and yeah. you, you could probably sell him off the back that uh, the fact he's he's hit a thousand yards in every season. Um, he's been in the NFL, um, but I think this is probably the the cliff year for me where Godwin takes over and um, it's. I mean, the pass volume is going to be a lot less. I know people say Patriots passed a ton last year, but um, I, I think there'll be more ball control, to be honest. I think yeah. it'll be more rushing, uh, more more usage of Godwin and uh, the tight ends of running backs. So, um, yeah, he's not going to get anywhere near the, the sort of passing numbers that, that no. Winston put up in terms of volume. Um, and whatever you think of Winston, you know, from a fantasy perspective, he was fantastic for... Not only Winston owners, but obviously any owners of Mike Evans and um, Chris Godwin as well. So if we move on then to, to the final one and the, the NASA part of the show, and that's looking at one player that you're looking to avoid in Dynasty this year, Elvin. It's Aaron Jones. Just oh, because I've, I've just headbutted my mic because I was that upset. <laughs> no, I mean, just because what it would cost to obtain him. Some people are still high on him, uh, but there's – clear-cut uh, regression coming. There's no way he scores that many touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, LaFleur saying that they plan on getting him more opportunities in the passing game, and that's why that they didn't go out and draft that receiver and stuff. I'm not buying it. I think there's clear regression, especially in the touchdown uh, department. So I'm staying away from him. So I'm assuming then you'd take um, Aaron Jones, uh, Leonard Fournette over Aaron Jones then this year. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> 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 I have to ask you one more because, and I know what you're going to say now, so I'm putting myself out there to be crucified. I saw a poll earlier on Twitter where um, they were asking who you'd take this year in Aaron Jones or Kenyon Drake. Who would you take out of those two? And Drake, I'm taking Drake. That's the end of the show. <laughs> <laughs> Get in. <laughs> but Leonard Burnett by a mile. I think I have Leonard uh, in my top eight for this final year and. Jacksonville, and I think I have uh, Aaron Jones looking outside the uh, RB1 conversation. Oh, God. So, yeah. I'm scared, man. I think I'm like – I do, I do agree. I do, I do get I completely get, especially the touchdown regression. I yeah. think there's no doubt whatsoever about that. It's coming. <laughs> it's coming for me. <laughs> did you just take him in a startup, Rich? Yes, I did. Yeah, but I to be fair, I'm actively trying to tank in that league, so uh, it's all right. <laughs> That helps me. Hopefully he finishes about RB36, something like that. <laughs> uh, so we're going to move on to uh, away from the NASA section of the show. And we've got two more questions for you, Elvin, before you, we let you get out of here. 
Uh, we'll put you on the spot. And the next, this next question is one that we're asking everyone on the show. Um, we asked John Bauer on the last show, so it'll be interesting to see if you disagree with him for a second time. Um, <laughs> I'll make sure that I mention this on Twitter. Bye. So this is something that hasn't been discussed too much at the minute with all the rookie hype and things like that, but it's something that, that was um, debated quite heavily at the end of the season, and I think it will be debated more as we head towards redraft season in July and August. And that is, who would you take in uh, redraft or dynasty, to be fair? Um, you can answer to either. Um, who would you take out of Miles Sanders or Josh Jacobs, who are quite closely ranked together? I'm taking Jacobs. I mean, not by much, but I'm taking Jacobs in both dynasty and redraft. I think they're both around the same age. I think uh, Jacobs just a volume play mm. in Las Vegas. And, I mean, he showed what he's made of last season. Uh, I like Jacobs a lot. I like him more than Aaron Jones, too. <laughs> I think you like everyone more than Aaron Jones, to be fair. Yeah. Um, I think the only thing for me with Jacobs, I wrote an article earlier on him um, this offseason, actually, and I was, I was quite low on him um, when he came out. Um, I changed my opinion on him. I do worry a little bit about the, the weapons they've added in Las Vegas in terms of whether or not they get him involved in the passing game. Um, I mean, you said it was it was close to Elvin. Is it that you, you're a little bit down on consensus the miles with Miles Sanders, or is it just that you you have Jacobs a little bit ahead? Uh, I mean, I'm I'm one spot higher than the ECR on Jacobs, and I'm two spots lower than the ECR on Sanders. So I mean, it's it's really close. It's twelve RB twelve and RB fourteen. Yeah, uh, I, I just like Jacobs, even though I should like Sanders. Uh, I was in a championship game last year, and he uh, he slid on that final run of the game instead of going into the end zone and gave me a win. So <laughs> I should like him more than I do. Yeah, well, actually, the oh, game yeah. that uh, the game we talked about earlier, that um, where I um, dismantled Kev in the championship <laughs> game, uh, I had Sanders in that game. But at the point that Sanders did that, I was absolutely livid because didn't you have who did you have on Monday Night Football, Kev? You had. Um, Boom, oh, wasn't it? Mike Booneyard. I, I had that well-known uh, fantasy stud uh, in <laughs> Mike Boone. And I think Sanders' scoring there would have put me over 20 points up, but it was a lot closer than it should have been because of that. So um, I, I was raging. So I should be lower on Sanders than I am. But yeah, I think, I think <laughs> it is very close. I think um, either way, it's hard to disagree with. But just an FYI that John Bauer took uh, Miles Sanders by a distance. So there's certainly a war brewing up. <laughs> so the last question then Elvin before we let you get out of here is we put our guests on the spot with a little bit of a reputake so this is a hot take that our guests would gamble their reputation on being correct in the 2020 season so it's a little bit more of a, a redraft question than it is dynasty so one take that you have right now Elvin that you'd be willing to gamble your reputation on going into the 2020 season I think Todd Gurley outscores all rookie running backs in 2020. Now, that is a red-hot take. Um, I'm sort of – do you know, I'm really high on this running back class, but the longer this – I'm not sure. Obviously, we'll get your thoughts on the reasoning for that, but the longer we go without a full – you know, without an off-season, training camp's delayed, I think that's going to really start to severely impact the – the rookies coming out this year, I think a lot more of them will disappoint than people are expecting. Is that part of your thinking or is, is there more oh, to it than that? 100%. That, I, that's why, I mean, Clyde, I love Clyde. Uh, but I've, I've dropped him four spots in the last week and I've dropped uh, Taylor at a few as well. Um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm worried about them not getting the preparation that a normal rookie would get. And yeah. then Andy Reid came out and said that Williams will be a, 
a bigger part of the offense than what people are expecting. I could just be coach talk, but uh, I know for sure in Indianapolis that they're not going to let Mac just sit on the sideline and watch Jonathan Taylor. And I think those are really the only two outside of maybe Swift uh, in Detroit that have a chance on cracking the RB1 conversation. Wow. Nice. Love that. That is a red hot take from Elvin Ryan. Um, so there we've, we've covered a hell of a lot of content again. Uh, we've gone through the tiers at quarterback, running back, uh, wide receiver, and tight end. Hopefully that helps you guys with your startup drafts uh, in startup draft season. Um, once again, just want to say thanks to Elvin Ryan, who's been a fantastic guest. Elvin, thanks Thank for you, coming Elvin. on the uh, British Ballers. And why don't you let the guests know, uh, the listeners, sorry, know where where they can find you and, and um, what sort of projects you're working on at the minute. Yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Elvin Ryan underscore FF. Uh, I have a new website and a logo hopefully launching uh, this, this week. So awesome. uh, be on the lookout. Is that still the same um, the website address that we gave at the start or is it going to no, be a new address completely? Not. Okay. Yeah. Brilliant. So thanks very much again to Elvin for coming on. Kev, I guess thank you to you as well. Sweet. <laughs> Um, you can find us on Twitter on the, the British Ballers podcast on Twitter we are at British underscore Ballers and if you subscribe to the FF Astronauts or wherever you get your podcast to make sure you don't miss an episode thanks again Kev uh, thanks again Elvin uh, thanks everyone and good luck thank you Elvin Ta-da. thanks for having me appreciate it